You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Hey, what's up? Before you listen, I have a quick request from you. While you're over here listening, go ahead on down, give us a rating and a review, especially if you're on Apple Music. Let us know how much you appreciate what we bring, the conversation, the dialogue. Tell us how it supports you. Give us that good five star. We appreciate you. Hello and welcome back to Pause on a Play. As always, it's amazing to see you here where you're challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here along with my co-host India Jackson to get the dialogue going. So apparently my mouth is not working today. I, I There's nothing I can do about it. I tried. Like... <laughs> I'm going to warn y'all now. I've already had to do this intro more than once. I don't know. I didn't do it. Here we are. Hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the good thing is today's episode is a little shorter. So there's that. It's going to be short and sweet since I know many of you are enjoying the sun. That is Mm -hmm. summertime. And it's also going to be a little bit more casual because I think that many of you, um, we've had like a lot of new listeners and we're getting um, more inquiries about our programs and offers. And so that'd be cool to let people get to know us better in a very casual, laid back, maybe even funny interview kind of way. <laughs> you know, anytime I'm able to just like let my like silly side show, I'm down. So let's do it. Right. My goal with these is always like, if I can get you to share one thing that I didn't know, I've won. Ooh. All right. <laughs> cool. Let's do that. All right. So first up, I thought it'd be fun to go through a series of interview questions. Um, mm-hmm. And then we can expand on the ones that we find interesting. Okay. I feel like everybody asks this all the time and I actually don't know the answer to this. So this might, I might've achieved my mission on question number one. What did you want to be when you were growing up? This is funny because my daughter asked me this the other day. I don't know that I remember when I was like my kid's age of like seven or nine, what I wanted to be. Um, I know that when I was like middle school age, I wanted to do, uh, medical research so like r&d because i wanted to find cures for diseases that was what i thought that i wanted to do at the ripe old age of like 12 what 
right. I ain't see that coming. I know. I know. And so while I won't try to make it all depressing, I wanted to find cures for diseases because I lost my dad at 12 to leukemia. And so at that point, I was like, I want to do something that is going to help someone else not have to experience this. Now, the interesting part is, you know, I've always apparently wanted to do something to create impact. And I'm doing that. And my impact just looks a little different, but apparently always wanted to create impact. So here we are. Mm, Interesting. I, when I was your kid's age range, wanted to be a fashion designer, (laughs) which is funny because when I met you, I think you had dove into like a fashion design class. You would like just finish it or something, right? I was. I was actually taking fashion design classes at that point. And I was prompted to do it because I was tired of feeling like there were not enough options for us curvier, plush women to feel like we had options that did not look like somebody's damn tablecloth. Mm. So yes, that was what I was doing. That was what made me want to do that. Yeah, that was me. But then I think by the time I was like, Oh, high school aged, I switched over into wanting to go into the medical world. See, we both had the medical thing in in common. There we are. (laughs) Not doing that now. Yeah, neither one of us doing that now. (laughs) Nope. I think for me, I thought about how much compassion that I have. And I didn't know it at the time or that there was even a word for it, but being an empath or HSP. And I was like, Mm. oh, the moment we got to um, the part and like, our college classes where you started uh, doing hospital visits and stuff. And I was like, oh, I might have to tell people that somebody died. Yeah, I'm not cut out for this. Can I just go back to the lab and dissect things? (laughs) This is fun. (laughs) I never wanted to do that. I remember having to do the frog. I hated that. No, thank you, next. Yeah, the frog was the worst for me because they didn't refrigerate it. And so it just smelled really bad. And then it got all crunchy at the end. No. Mm. Oh, Gross. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. This is an interesting question. We both have worked for other people in our past. Who was the best boss you ever had and what made them the best? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I don't know if I think I had a best boss. I can say that. Hmm. I can say the boss that was the most, (laughs) um, actually, no, that's not true. I was going to say influential, but that wasn't a good influence necessarily. Um, I did have a really good boss. So I used to um, work in, I guess you would call it like almost like a mega gym. And they had a spa inside of it. And the person that actually came in to be the manager at that point and then went on to be more of like a regional manager he was just so impactful and it was from him that I got something that has still stuck with me till this day, which is that, you know, he found that it was very important to empower or to kind of really set people up to be able to make good decisions and to be able to make decisions on the spot if they needed to, because he always prefaced it that I want you to know that you can make a decision And that you're not worried about whether or not it's a good decision, but that if you wait, you're going to have to worry more about it then. If we need to go back and make some changes, great. But I want you to know that in the moment, I trust you 
to make that decision. And that's just kind of always stuck with me because I don't think I'd ever worked with anyone else that really did implore you to know that you could step up in a leadership moment and to be that necessary leader. And that has always stuck out to me. He far and wide has been the only person that really did that in a way that like, he didn't have to. I mean, these these weren't small businesses. This was somebody else's business that he worked in, but he absolutely owned it like it was his. Mm. Well, I wish I had such an epic story to share. <laughs> uh, a lot like, I actually am going to stick with your original answer for me. I don't think I had like a best boss that I can remember. Right. Um, but I will say that I had a very vivid situation that stayed with me. Um, and whew, this is very like entrenched in the DEI pieces that we talk about here. But um, one of my first like grown up jobs, like post college jobs, uh, was working for a really big company, and I had a a, a leadership role for this company, um, and being. Fresh out of college, I think I always had a little bit of imposter syndrome about it. <laughs> mm. I'm also going to say that this role with this brand, um, also the brand had very strict image issues. Uh, I'm going to say issues because, in my opinion, there's a point where you're going beyond just making sure that people fit the brand's image into controlling how people look. Mm. Um, but they had very strict image guidelines. And I remember one of those guidelines was that you had to have straight hair. Your straight hair had to be slicked back and a low ponytail. This is how specific it is. Um, and your low ponytail had to have a hair tie that was either black or matched your hair color. Like it was that specific. And at the point in my life that I had taken this role, I was also at a point in my life in my early 20s where I am navigating um, my own identity after college and really recognizing that I'm, I'm a woman, I'm a grown woman, I'm engaged, uh, and I am learning how to make decisions for myself of who I want to be instead of who everyone else told me I needed to be. And one of those decisions is that I um, decided to chop my hair down to nothing and wear my natural texture for the first time ever. I'd never seen my natural hair texture before. Um, and had been being relaxed with a chemical relaxer since I was a little kid. And I remember the first time that I had um, made the decision to do it, I first asked uh, this boss for approval. And they were like, yeah, you don't need to ask me what to do with your hair. And I was like, hmm, noted. That's not what's in the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then number two, when I did it, it was like such a dramatic change because I always had this like shoulder length, you know, bone straight hair. Um, so such a dramatic change to go into like, Erica, you did this cut. What was it? It was like almost like a mohawk. It, it was kind of yep. a faux hawk. So when you started talking, Fauxhawk. I was like, oh, I remember this. Yep. And it, but it was so cute on you though. And not only did we cut it, like we dyed it, um, mm-hmm. like a very light brown, like my original hair color when I was a kid, light brown. And so... I just remember the first time this boss saw me on the job where they could actually see this dramatic change. 
I was like, are you sure this is okay? And I was really nervous that like, it'd be a corporate problem. I gave myself all these stories. I'm gonna have to start wearing a wig. And she was like, no, I love your hair. It looks amazing. And I'm so glad to see you wearing like your natural texture. I was like, okay. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> like, am I going to see um, somebody come, pop out of the corner and be like, you've been pranked. Go put that wig on. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but very, um, very much left an impression on me because I think that as women of color, we can have these stories that uh, our white bosses are going to behave differently when we start showing our, our real black pieces. <laughs> well, and the the interesting part of that is, you know, so many years of being behind the chair in my own salon, as well as when I worked for other people, I had a lot of those conversations and there were a number of people that did not feel as though they had, you know, the, the, the permission slip to go ahead and do that. And so they, therefore they just kind of kept going with what they felt like they had to do. And so, you know, it does take a certain amount of courage and just like, fuck it at some point to be like, I'm going to do me and I'm just going to have to deal with that later because some people are just so nervous because they don't know what they're going to walk into. And yours could have gone very differently. Let's acknowledge that. I've too. seen it go differently. Right. With other people with a different boss in the same brand. I've seen mm -hmm. it happen. Yeah. There's that. I could go on all day just to talk about the fact of how black women in their hair, we are too much and not enough all the damn time. Facts. And it going a little bit off from what we were originally doing question wise, but it, it definitely makes me recognize that I feel like on my own journey, a lot of my own DEI work has been deprogramming the way that I see myself and yes. um, giving myself permission to be who I was born as and not what society expects from me. And there's a lot of deprogramming that needs to happen there in a way that also doesn't create um, any biases or preconceived notions about people of, of different racial backgrounds either. And That's remembering, right. And remembering when that happens, it's other people's preconce preconceived notions and your own. Right. Just right. Mm. What you this got? This is a big question. Uh-oh. Go ahead. What was a specific turning point in your life? I gotta pick one. Right. <laughs> I have I have I have lived so many lives. My gosh. Um oh man. A turning point. I don't know. I really You don't need a know. second? Because I can think of very vividly one for me. Okay, I'll let you go. Um, I'm gonna say that the first one that comes to mind is uh leaving an abusive relationship. Yes. And being honest with myself that it was an abusive relationship. Um, because I think sometimes it's, it's hard to actually put those words to the situation, even though you know what it is, right? Naming it changes everything. And uh, I had been in the relationship for a very long time, um, legally, <laughs> mm -hmm. but actually not 
in reality. Um, and it's something I don't, I don't think I've shared before publicly. Um, but yeah, it had a lot of ups and downs. And I think that the ending of the legal agreement there, um, even though emotionally it had ended, was a really big turning point in my life. Because I feel like up until that had happened, I felt like I was carrying this dark cloud over my head all the time um, that stopped me from being able to have good visibility to see down the road or to see the sun. Uh, And that was the cloud that I was making decisions from of how I show up, where I show up, what I do. Can I do this? Is this person going to use this against me later? Um, Such a big turning point in my life. And I'm going to give you permission to pick two because I know we both have had some really big ones. Um, But my second one was the journey that that leaving that relationship put me on as far as getting um, support through a therapist to process my trauma, multiple traumas I've had in my lifetime. Um, And really getting on the other side of that healing journey, which I say journey because it's always a work in progress, but being able to allow the rain to pour on down is what that process felt like in order to have the clouds fade away and the sun come out. That's so eloquent. (laughs) I try. (laughs) (laughs) You succeeded. Um, Okay. So if I pick two, I'm going to say one was (laughs) actually it's been about almost 14, almost 14 years ago, starting my journey as an entrepreneur because I had been in the beauty industry for years, had worked in multiple salons and no part of me wanted a salon. I wanted nothing to do with it because I saw how it could go wrong. And when I finally just decided to go ahead and at that time I was sharing a space with someone else I knew that had a business of their own, like you could not have told me that when that started, that I would have taken over that space on my own. I would not only have my own salon, I would have multiple facets to my beauty business. I would then have a whole nother business that I am in that space recording podcasts and having pause on the play remix events and being able to be something for my children that I didn't have at their age, which was an example of what it looked like to be a black entrepreneur. Mm. I didn't have that. And, you know, even through like, you know, being pregnant with, with two kids and being like, crap, how am I going to do this? And just having so many life events happen throughout it. I persevered and I could not be happier that I gave myself the permission to be my own boss and to <laughs> completely consider myself unhireable because I didn't plan it. I, I really didn't. And I didn't know that that's where my life was going to go. And I'm glad it did. Um, and I got a whole lot more to do, so I ain't done. Um, the second thing for me was when I recognized, and it, it was about... 17, about four, a little over four years ago, I think it was. Um, I had a moment where I recognized that my dad, who I lost when I was 12 and he was 37. Um, again, he passed away from leukemia. 
I recognized that I had been on this earth longer than he was. And when that hit me, it was a day to where I, I just felt very called to go to the cemetery, you know, where he's buried. And I couldn't tell you why I felt the need to go there, but I've done much better at listening to my intuition and I was called to go. And I just kind of had a bit of a breakdown that day, a, a lot of a breakdown. Um, because it hit me that I had been here longer than he had. I had been here longer than the 37 years that he was gifted to be on this earth and to be able to be who he was and to be my daddy. And it hit me that if I had more time than he did, that apparently I'm here for a reason. Apparently mm -hmm. there's something that I'm supposed to do. And it was a moment where I was reminded that I have a purpose here. I was reminded that as, from being completely honest, as terrible as life felt in that moment, because I was not in a good place in life at all, that there was something on the other side and that it could get better. And that this, this place that I currently was didn't have to define me. And it reminded me that I am so much more than what I was led to believe at that moment. And yeah. I did not have to let, I did not have to let all those terrible things be it. And that didn't have to be my story forever. And so it has stuck with me ever since that I am here for a purpose. And I very consciously, very consciously and very awarely for myself, for my children, those that matter to me and those that I don't even know that I fight for. I am here to leave an impact, to create a legacy that I don't know that's being built, but it's still being built nonetheless, because I won't leave this earth without using the gift. I'm not going to cry <laughs> that I got. So, <sighs> well, I wasn't expecting to go into that. <laughs> no, but it, it needs to happen because I feel like those that maybe don't know that about me, you might not know why it matters so much, why I'm so passionate about what I do and why I'm not okay with just okay, why I can't allow people to just be passive and, and not actually get off their ass and do shit differently. I was gifted something that my daddy wasn't gifted. And so therefore I refuse to waste that time. And I won't let others do that with their time either. We are here to make shit happen. And I mean it, we will do that. Absolutely. I, if you're listening and you've been following me on social media or you're a member of our community, you know that I recently lost my biological mother. And so it's definitely been on my radar as well of how are you using the time that you have here? And while none of us are guaranteed a, a certain amount of time to be here on earth, I want to make sure that when I leave the world, I can be proud about what I did and what I created and how I impacted other people's lives while I was here. Um, unfortunately, you know, we had very different situations with those two parents. And so there's a lot of things that you've said about your dad 
um, privately and on this episode that I can't necessarily say about, you know, my situation. And that also was a wake up call is that I I don't want to go out with regrets. I don't want to be in my last days and feel like I had unfinished business or I didn't do everything that I could to make this world better for the next generation. Because if nothing else right now, I don't got children, but we are definitely leaving this world that we've created behind to your kids. And I care about the future that they have. Absolutely. And so just all these little areas, you know, whether it's how I love my children, how I care for those that I consider friends and the family that I have built as I don't have a lot of family, as I am able to, again, make impact, as I make connections, you know, again, building something that will long exceed my time here. It's like, y'all, I <laughs> I know sometimes it's like, oh, she's just saying it. No, I mean that shit. I mean it. Yeah. I I know, like, you hearing it from me, Erica and I are literally like real life best friends, not just for the business. Mm-hmm. She really does mean it. She really does mean it. And I will personally say and speak for myself that this process is so much more than you see. I mean, it is literally undoing generational trauma to get to where we are today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're, we're willing to do that because those that come after us deserve better than what we receive the same way that those that <laughs> they gave it to them deserve better. Right. So we are choosing to break those ties and to do it differently. Recreate. Such a powerful episode. I would love um, for each of you listening to share if you'd like us to do more of these, because it is a little different than what we normally do here. It is. And so if, Everything that we talked about gave you yet another reason, because I'm sure you probably already had some (laughs) reason why you would love to be able to be a part of powerful conversations and creating the change that you want to see. I'm going to suggest that you take some time today to go ahead and come on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community and join us in our community so that you can figure this out for yourself as well. This isn't just something we're going through. Anybody has access to tap into this deeper power that they have. So for those of you that are listening in and you have heard our conversation, our laughter, my tears, and all (laughs) the things, I want you to know that we appreciate you. We love that you are here, that you are seeking to be the change that you want to see, that you want to challenge more people to drop the veil and to question their thoughts, feelings, and actions to create the next best iterations of themselves and others around them. So until the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. 
From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?